Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 730 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs>
legless, faceless thing, won't you? Rolling down the street like a turd in the wind. Also from the marketing line. What the hell are you? We are them. And now, the continuation. Let's, uh, let's get into this, because I actually think mm. there are some things worth talking about. Good for you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. And with that, that's yeah. definitely the opening. Might be my new favorite impression of yours now. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to say hello? He- oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome to the Superpod Hero Cast. <laughs> Symbiotes with beers talking about movies with capes. I am Venom. <laughs> and I'm Todd Panic. <laughs> and we watched Venom. Let that be cottage. Episode 102. That's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. Um, so I got to have some fun with this terrible movie. Most fun voice in a superhero movie so far? Yes. And okay. uh, especially in this one, he seemed to be having more fun uh, with it. Like, I think, yes. I don't know if it was Tom Hardy or Andy Serkis, but Tom's like, I want to have more fun with the voice. Because, yeah. like, in the first one, it was more down here and like a turd in the wind. <laughs> but in this one, it was like, you know, like, that is a red one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. You say potato. I say potato. L- listen, potato. I- potato. <laughs> I- like, if, I, if it could just be a movie of Tom Hardy doing that voice, I would enjoy it so much more than this. I, well, okay. Let's get through some business because I actually want to talk about this because so ex- <laughs> I'm excited to talk about this movie. Okay. So since we are. Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. What are we drinking? <laughs> That's we're using that one. Okay, so this is a, a beer from a brewery that we have sampled before. So way mm-hmm. back at the end of episode, uh, at the end of season two, episode forty, we watched Buckaroo Banzai and the Adventures Across the Dimension, <sighs> and we, sure we drank a beer from Strong Rope Brewery. Strong Rope Brewery brews and serves handcrafted beer in their Gowanus and Red Hook, Brooklyn brewery slash tap rooms with a seasonal tap room in the Adirondacks. As a New York State farm brewery, their beers range from reinterpreted classics to seasonals that utilize local farms' finest ingredients. As a family-run business, they look to support other local producers, including 100% New York ingredients for all their beers. So I love that. Um, mm-hmm. So last time we drank uh, Galactic Travel Constant for Buckley Bonsai. Um, sure. Today... Uh, we got a beer I think that really fits the theme. So today's beer is Strong Rope Brewery's English Stout Embrace the Black. <laughs> Embrace the Black, not the red. Not the red. Not the fuck red. carnage. Yeah. All right. So where is your uh, little peek behind the curtain? Something happened with these beer yeah. cans. I'm sure it has nothing to do with the brewery itself. Sure. But where is your uh, pop-up on your... Uh... Mine is kind of right next to... so. You know, sometimes a, a a beer will get a little bit overpressurized, and mm-hmm. that happened in the cans. And I was driving them to your house when I heard a crackling sound, and saw that the literally the tops had started to push out. So, um, 
It's also a warmer day, so we put them both in the fridges. Mine survived. Um, Mine is right on the. Uh, yeah. So uh, do you pop? So do you have I, that? So, dear audience, if I suddenly start going shit, fuck. Yeah. It's because it exploded all over well, the place. I'm opening mine up like within the Ziploc that I used to protect it just in case it exploded in the fridge, which it did not. So. What a great idea. Yeah. I'm going to do the same. Yeah. So worst case scenario, the, the, you know, the Ziploc's not good. All right. Oh, so God, I'm, I'm so scared. Good luck here. Okay. Mine was fine. Nope. Mine. Mine's very mad. It's very mad, Todd. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, he's an ang- he's an angry elf. It's an angry. Okay. <laughs> hey, guess what? I can't open mine. What? <laughs> uh, well, hang on. I think I can do it. Nope. Right, let's see what happens when I. You should open it and see what happens. <laughs> Yours is better, but you know. <laughs> L- listen, uh, didn't l- look at the pour. <laughs> We've got about a half an inch of beer in a glass of foam. So. Did someone say pig? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, uh, so this is what mine looks like. Okay. All right. Well, we got enough to, to drink, and then we're just going to have to let it settle, and you know, we'll see how it goes. So. All right. All right. Cheers, Cheers buddy. buddy. It's tasty. Mm, that's very tasty. So the flavor notes for this beer are... Baker's chocolate, molasses, mm-hmm. and dried mm-hmm. dark fruit. Mm. Yeah, that's very good. It's a, it's you know, it's a, it's a, it's a real tasty stout, but it doesn't feel heavy. Right? I, I don't want to sound that. like a broken record, but it's very good. Unlike the movie that we're reviewing, <laughs> that's right, Todd that's season right. six is not off to a good start. No, uh, and just, and of course, uh, one final note. I, I rushed into this. Uh, our good friends at Branching Out Bottle Shop uh, is where we found this beer. Like so many of our beers. If you're in the greater Syracuse, New York area, go check them out. Township 5. You will not find a better selection of beers. This is true. All right. Even. Okay. Oh, sorry. Well, even. I, I was going to make a joke, but okay. I decided not to. <laughs> uh, we don't have any reshoots because we're recording ahead of time. We're ahead so, of time. Uh, we had last week, we had, uh, you know, Tail. ones from before. Yep. From, la- from over the summer. But now, uh, you know. We'll get to you. We're speaking. We may need to if we keep doing like chunks like this. We may need to do like a bonus episode every couple months if we stockpile like two or three reshoots. Okay. How does that sound? Yeah, sure. All right. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So that leads us to uh, what is the IMDb score for this movie? Yeah. Well, so I I would put all the kind of general production stuff in here. So. Uh, and I think we talked about this. We've talked about this before. This is a movie that um, production started on it way back in 2019. Actually, so filming ran from November of 2019 to February of 2020. The movie doesn't come out until September of 2021. And that is... Why why such a delay? Yeah, there was a little uh, thing called COVID. Um, But Sony was really holding on to it. Wanted to make sure that they could release it when people could see it in theaters. So, mm. um, obviously, Tom Hardy returns, uh, as well as Michelle Williams. Um, the actor who plays Dan. The I actor who plays Dan, yeah. From Mrs. Ren the, comes back, too. Yeah, 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 Mrs. Chen, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, Chen, Chen, right. Yeah, now, the screenplay for this is written by Kelly Marcel. She mm-hmm. has a few credits. 
Uh, she was a writer-producer on Terra Nova, uh, also wrote either the screenplay or the stories for Saving Mr. Banks, Fifty Shades of Grey, and Cruella. Um, but the big name in the production space here is certainly Andy Serkis. Yes. Now, this is not his first movie um, directing credit. Um, he had done the uh, second unit for The Hobbit. Yeah, done second unit for The Hobbit. He'd done, by the time this starts up, he'd already shot Mowgli, which was originally intended for a theatrical release, ended up getting sold to Netflix and released on, on Netflix. I gotta tell um, you, I've never watched it. Yeah, um, same. Uh, although, I, I get, as I was looking through some of the production notes, um, I, some of the things I saw, actually, I'm, I'm curious about it. So I may go back and, and watch it. Um, okay. Andy Serkis, I mean, we're both fans. Um, Alfred. Say, Alfred, yeah, right? Um, so let me let me hold off some other notes so we get further in. Uh, the budget, $110 mm-hmm. million dollar budget, $507 million worldwide at the box office. That's a commercial success. Tom Hardy has said that he's signed on for another sequel. And the story is that he's been in talks to bring Venom to the MCU. Um, spoiler, if you haven't seen... No. No, we're not going to... Okay, so no. there's a recent Marvel movie that might you know, offer a linkage. That thing that we just talked about that is not going to make it to the episode, aside. Do uh, <laughs> you have any almost cast? No. Okay, all right, interesting. No, didn't see any. Okay. I mean, the, the only people, I, the, literally the only person of note that wasn't in the first movie in some way, shape, or form is Shriek. Yes. Yep. Um, That's which, it. Interesting you say that. I had a note for her. Uh, you know, she looked so familiar. I was like, where do I know her from? So the actress Naomi Harris plays Shriek. I just saw it when I went to IMDb. 28 days later, she is Selena, the other... The other, yes. the, the, you know, the, the woman sure that is. Cillian Murphy hooks up with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And wonderful in that. And she's done other stuff. Oh, she was also Money Penny. She was Money Penny in uh, Spectre with Daniel Craig. Was, then she, was, was she in No Time to Die? Uh, let's see. Mm, no Time <laughs> Again, to Die. We, yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, boy, she's been in a lot of stuff. She was in Moonlight. Have you seen I didn't see No it. Time to Die? No, I haven't. Yeah, it's good. Is it? Because that you know, it's, I was so disappointed. It's Skyfall good. So yeah, it's Skyfall good. Isn't that the Daniel Craig rule? Like every other movie is awesome. And Casino Royale, yeah, Casino Royale, uh, amazing. Uh, Skyfall and No Time to Die are the best. Yes, uh, Quantum of Solace and uh, Spectre are incredibly disappointing. Quantum of Solace. Uh, asterisk. This could have been twenty minutes at the end of <laughs> Casino Royale. Yes, yeah. yes yeah. that one. That one. Uh, Oof. For yeah. fuck's sake. Oh, she was also in. That's what I was looking at. Was she in? She's not in. She wasn't in Pirates, yes. right? That's not the. That's T- the same girl? Tia Calypso? Dalma. Uh, they have her listed as Tia Dalma, but I, I thought she was Calypso. And I wonder if that's just an alternate. Yeah, I think title. Tia Dalma was her character name when she was with Davy Jones. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at. Oh, I'm in Dead Man's. Just, yeah. So, anyways, yeah, that's her. Yeah. Um, yep, that's her. Yep. Yeah, she's great. Um, I really like her as an actress. 
Um, all right. Born is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Everyone's great in the movie. It's just the movie's a fucking disaster. I, I will say this. I was, as you heard in our last episode, not happy when we pulled this. Uh-huh. That said, this is a yeah, movie boy. that, it, you know, it occasionally happens on the podcast. Better on the rewatch for me. I'm happy for you. Because, <laughs> like you said in, in Buffy, the good thing about us doing this movie is that I never have to watch this movie ever again. Okay. Well, as we get into it, there's some things I want to kind of draw your attention to. And peeking behind the curtain, as we uh, have alluded to last episode, we're we're doing a little bit of a different approach here. What we did with our 100th episode, Return, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker... We're using a Wikipedia plot summary, and then uh-huh. rather than you know going into so much of the this happened and this happened, we're going to use that to kind of get through the major plot points, but then go off on our discussion points, you know, based on the <laughs> questions we had and the reaction. So, you know, we're we're still kind of workshopping this. So, you know, we welcome your feedback. How does this work? Do you like it better, more, better, worse, neither? You know. Should we all just just fold it up? I don't know. Just you know, you, tell us. And Casey, if people want to share their feedback on this new format, what's the best way they can do that? Well, you could tweet at us at uh, TSPHC Tweets. You could, uh, for some reason, maybe send us a middle finger Instagram. Sure. If you don't like this, or a thumbs up uh, at Superpod HeroCast. Or if you want to write us a long form letter, you can do it. On Gmail at superpodherocast at gmail.com because... Only Cap writes letters. Eddie. <laughs> okay. That one might stay in. Okay. All right. Uh, so I forgot I'm in your part of the edit. So. That's right. Uh, so, Casey, I think... Oh, the last thing, oh. last thing here are IMDb. Do you want to take a guess or do you remember? Well, how much... Wait a minute. How, what about the money? Oh, I said that. 110 budget, 507 box office. When the fuck did you did I pass out for a second? Uh, a little bit. I think you are. I think you are so ready to not talk about this movie. <laughs> I think. I think you've actually already finished the recording tonight. So. Oh yeah. So that'll do it for the super. Oh wait, no, no. We need to actually talk about the movie. Uh, fuck. Okay. Yeah. The IMDb score. Let's do that, and then we'll. Alrighty. So IMDb. This movie has a rating of five point nine out of ten. Yeah. And we'll see what we think at the end. Sure will. But before we can do that, throw that down. Okay, so, uh, okay. In 1996, a young Cletus Cassidy watches helplessly as his lover, Francis Barrison. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was her name. What did he? All, what does he always call her? Angel? My, uh, chi- yeah. Chicken wings? I can't remember. My angel. It's taken away from St. Estes Home for Unwanted Children to the Ravencroft Institute. Uh, I would like to point out, not since Reb Brown has the ADR been <laughs> this shitty. <laughs> it's so bad. Initially, when this came out, I refused to see it in the theater. You did. You I, you I took did a hard go to stand. the hot. I did go to the high seas. Dear Sony, don't sue me because I eventually did actually go see it in the theater for this reason. I All the copies I found, everything sounded like this in the first scene. What did the doctor say? He said the mutations are advancing. It's all like super like 
no one mixed it. Like Woody Harrelson came into the booth, recorded his lines, and like, well, we'll mix it later. And then it went to print. Like, hey, did you ever mix the opening of the movie? Fuck! I knew I forgot to do something. My one bright light. It is so bad. Are you suggesting that their plan was to fix it in post? Yes. Which, <laughs> yes, fix it in post, but fucking fix it in post. It was so <laughs> bad. And then I went to go see it in the theater. I'm like, oh, it's just a copy that I have. Because a lot of times now people will uh, come in and like do like the, the headphones mm-hmm. that people that you can get and plug in there so they get the purest sound. But sometimes the mix is funky. Yep. And I thought that's what happened. And then all of a sudden I was just like, Oh no! This is just how it's mixed. Air quotes. <laughs> right again. The 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 uh, non visual medium here betrays your uh, disgust with their their mm. choices there. Yes. Okay. On the way, Barrison uses her sonic scream powers. Surprise! She has powers yeah. to attack young police officer Patrick Mulligan. Now, so let's spend a minute on Shriek. So we talked about Naomi Harris, the actor. So Shriek is a character from. The comics. Mm-hmm. She does show up in Spider-Man. She makes her uh, debut in May of 1993. In the comics, she gets her powers after she's been exposed to the dark force dimension that Cloak uses, you know, Cloak and yep. Dagger. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, when Carnage first appears, well, not first, but Maximum Carnage, which uh-huh. I have the complete set of, like, fucking Cap shows up at one point. It's a big um, deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. Cloak and Dagger show up, and everyone shows up and like, Spider-Man, you've really fucked up this time. <laughs> yeah. little aside here, uh, if you've seen Thor Love and Thunder, which I loved, you were... No, so, I loved it. You loved it. Okay. What are you talking about? You, oh, I thought you did not like it. I thought you... You casserole. Okay. They have alluded to a bigger world. It's not really a spoiler, you know... Gore the God Butcher wheels All Black the Necrosword, which is linked to Null, the king of the symbiotes. Yes. So there is totally, you know, a pathway for, you know, Venom and the symbiotes in the MCU. I hope we get it. You know, clearly they'd need to make some decisions about what what comes over and what doesn't, but uh, I would not be upset with that. Another tie-in, potentially plausible here, um, except I don't think this one's going to go anywhere. And to be fair, it's different studios producing it. The character Banshee appears in X-Men First Class, mm-hmm. right? Comic book character, Irish. He, Ca- know, Caleb Landry Jones, yeah. That's right. As the name suggests, you know, like the uh, the, the Irish lore, the creature from folklore uh, has these sonic powers. The visuals on Shriek's attack are almost identical to Banshees. We're waiting to see when the mutants show up in the MCU. Yeah. Here's a connection. But again, it's not going to matter. This won't be it. But I just thought that was an interesting little uh, note. So interesting that you mentioned mutants. Yes. And Thor, Love and Thunder. Because Thor, Love and Thunder, as of this recording, just premiered on Disney+. Plus. Yes. Which also, I don't know if you've watched She-Hulk yet, but good luck finding it. It gets buried in all the other Disney Day stuff because it's Disney Plus Day. I'm like, where's my She-Hulk? I just... I've already seen Thor Love and Thunder. I'm purposely not watching anything on Andor until it comes out. Yep. Like I'm I'm going in black or with that. Like oh. I'm not well, yeah. Okay, I'm going in dark is what I meant to say. <laughs> That's right. Uh, That's going to be problematic. <laughs> I'm going in dark with Andor. Yep. Uh, and I'm like I literally had to like scroll through all this stuff and then it's like, "Oh, by the way, here's the new She-Hulk." And I was like, "Thanks." But it's so interesting that you say that because D23 happens. Sure. 
And tomorrow it is already confirmed that there will be new cast announcements. <gasps> They're not saying what, but there will be new actors that are announced. Well, and depending we, on what you read, it's Henry Cavill or DC's about to bring him back as Superman. I'm like, I'll wait until someone who actually works for one of those two companies tells me where I, I get to see Henry Cavill. <laughs> I saw one today related to casting of a major role for Secret Wars. Did you see this? Uh, oh, did I? Who? S- Sir Ian McKellen will return as Mag. The rumor that he will return as Magneto for Secret Wars. When does Secret Wars come out? Hmm, not till, is that like 24? It, that one's a little bit further out. Then he won't. They're, all their contracts are done in 2023. 20, That's why we got a certain someone in. Sure. Maybe they'll film in 23. Or maybe they'll just fucking recast it. Like, the only reason Name Redacted is in Movie Redacted, if you know, you know, is because they still had a contract. Okay, so Secret Wars has a release date right now of November 7th, 2025. Oh, then definitely not. All their contracts are done next year. Sure. Now, which is not to say they could have already approached anyone they wanted and said, look, your contract's up next year. We'd like to offer you, you know... An extension, X number of pictures. So, but that was a rumor. That's a rumor that. Well, apparently, if uh, you are Giancarlo Esposito, you're playing both Professor Xavier and (laughs) Magneto. Listen, (laughs) he's a really good actor. So, you know. (laughs) Plot twist in the MCU they were twin brothers separated at birth. That's right. That's right. That's right. right. Move it along, guys. Um, But that was a good one. Yeah. I, I, I. Yes, I I checked when they mentioned the necro uh, sword saber. Ne- which one? all black the necro sword, necro sword, that it's part of no. Which I'm light on knowing what's going on there. That's super new. All that like yeah, like even in this movie when Venom freaks out that Carnage is red. I'm like yeah, he's red because he, Cletus got cut and. The symbiote went in well, through his bloodstream. But, in the comics, in the comics. Oh, in the oh comics. got it, got it. But um, we did, in the first movie, there are di- definitely different colors. But at least there, we don't know why he's red in this. And it makes no sense that he's red in this because he is, just like in the comics, an, a piece of venom. Yeah, and, you know, actually, as I was watch, re-watching the movie for the to discuss it, I did have a note that I discarded, but but we got here organically. The conflict between Venom and Carnage, the, when they first meet, doesn't make sense uh-huh. until um, until Carnage starts saying that he, he actually almost sounds like Ultron in both the MCU and in the comics, right? It's this, like, you're my father and I must destroy you. Yeah, it's a very Oedipus uh, feel, too. And that's how it is in the comics, too. Carnage wants to kill everyone in his path, but specifically Venom and Brock. I I was okay with it. You know, my initial objection, once we got there, I was like, okay, I see what they're doing. All right, that's cool. You know, this is an adaptation, right? So they can take what they want. From the source material. But the problem is they're only taking like, oh, well, Carnage is uh, red and black in the comics. It's got to be here, but it's not going to happen the same way that it does in the comics. So there's no real connection. But for some reason, Venom's going to be freaked out that he's a red one. But there's no explanation of why him being a red one. And also, spoiler for the end of this movie, it doesn't fucking matter because (laughs) Venom eats The carnage symbiote. You know, some animals eat their young, and clearly the symbiotes must do the same thing. But he's eating himself. Uh, like, no, at this at that point, it's a different thing. You know, there's a mm. there's a cool little bit of lore 
Um, we never fought one, but in your in your short foray into Dungeons and Dragons, rest in peace, Baltar. Uh, you know that you know that Josh named the sword Baltar's Baltar's yes. Mercy. Yes, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, anyways, there's this super cool iconic monster, the Beholder, which is the floating kind of oh, armored yeah, yeah. orb with all the eyes, right? Um, they're ri- lovingly ripped off in uh, Doom. Oh yes, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. So there's this cool bit of lore that new beholders are created when a beholder basically dreams of another one, and their oh. their dreams manifest, and, and a beholder shows up, and they are almost like Carnage, immediately antagonistic with their quote unquote creators. So, I mean, there's some interesting stuff there. I would expect that if we do get a third Venom movie, and I would say we might, then... We, we, we probably will. Yeah. I, look, we've gotten sequels of worse movies before. <clears throat> the Crow, 17. Um, <laughs> I would like to see in this movie universe more of the differentiation of the symbiotes. Why is it, oh shit, it's a red one. Yeah, bring in bring in Null. Bring in Null mm-hmm. to the architect in Matrix, but done better. Uh, <laughs> th- all all about the symbiotes and the and wow, oh, fuck, what's the planet they're from? Uh, I can't remember the name. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We've spent way too much time, and we're only four sentences into this. <laughs> okay, right. Mulligan shoots. I'm going back in. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I don't. I don't care what planet they're from. <laughs> Mulligan shoots Barrison in the eye and suffers an injury to his ear due to her scream. Uh, my quick note here is that I was watching this. Uh, Danny and the Bean had gone upstairs. I'm watching this downstairs. That scream happens. Gunshot happens. Five seconds later, the Bean messaged me. Is that your movie? It's like, <laughs> oh shit! And turn the volume down. I'm like, down, down, down. they must have been. Right at the level where they thought it happened outside. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> well, yeah, that would be terrifying. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Unbeknownst to Mulligan, who believes he killed her, Barrison is still taken to Ravencroft, where her abilities are restricted by stuff. That's right. That's right. Um, by a a, a hopeful for Aunt May. You you know, if this, and where my criticism of this movie is going to come down is I don't know how much I should invest in any of the characters here because much like the Joker movie, uh, which is an amazing performance and a a really well done movie, like if it doesn't lead to anything else, I got to be honest with you, I don't care that much. I like the long form storytelling of comics. I like how Marvel Studios' strategy has allowed us to tell longer stories. So if this connects to something, I'd be interested. You could plausibly connect Ravencroft to the whole Oscorp from the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man universe, right? Like, very plausible Mm -hmm. that as they were pursuing, like, mechanical ways to augment humans, right? The rhino suit, the vulture wings, the scorpion suit. You could also... that see them having like one of their divisions being like the biologics like okay if we're not going engineering how can we use you know biological substances to enhance and change so well don't forget venom is in or rather the venom symbiote is in amazing spider-man 2 he is did i am i misremembering that which one whichever one we see like the vulture wings yeah with, oh, the, with the is guy. There a, yeah, is there yeah, a blob? there's a symbiote in there. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So 
Maybe they got one too. Maybe Life Corp didn't get the only sample. Or back. we go ultimate that it's not an alien. It is. It was. Uh, oh, I don't know this. Peter's father and Eddie Brock's father in the Ultimate Universe were trying to make a cure for cancer. Oh, okay, all right. These are all plausible ideas. You can tell inst- interesting stories from them. I'm down for any yeah. of that. But in, until you show me that there's a story worth caring about, then. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a popcorn movie for me, you know. No. Now, in, I, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, go <laughs> Move ahead. Move along. All right. In the mm-hmm. present day, Mulligan, and I have to point out, total British that guy actor. I oh, yeah. first <laughs> became aware of him in Band of Brothers. Um, his name is Stephen Graham. He's done, he's been in some Guy Ritchie movies. I like him. He's a mm-hmm. good actor. And he does a really good American accent, in my opinion. Yep. He's he's up there with Tom and yeah. Uh, Andrew. Yeah, agree. Yeah. Now Mulligan is now a detective and asks journalist Eddie Brock. I love the inner. Probably the best part of this movie for me is the inner and then outer struggle between Brock and Venom. <laughs> yeah. You know, we saw hints of it in the first movie, but by the first movie, they've like found a balance. This movie's got like growing pains, right? Like they they had a plan at the end of the first movie on how they were going to work together and. It's working to an extent in this movie. Um, that just for me is sheer delight. So you mentioned you'd watch a movie of just Venom voice. <laughs> Give me a movie of just Eddie and Venom go to the beach. I need to be free. Feeling the wind in my hair and the sand between my toes. You don't have any hair. They, they do go to the beach in this movie. That's right. They do. <laughs> Congratulations. Listen. That movie. So what I'm hearing now is we don't need any more Venom movies. We did the thing that you want, right? You wanted Eddie and Venom at the beach. It happened. He, no more. He didn't feel the and need in his hair. You want with me on the cold block nights. Nice. Now you front row for the spotlight. Not a diamond. in a... Casey. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Didn't feel the wind in his hair. We're not done. Can't, can't do it yet. We mentioned it in the first movie because these movies are clearly inspired by the whole Lethal Protector storyline, which really shifts Venom from a pure villain role into this kind of anti-hero space. And Crazed anti-hero. Yeah. Venom says, We should be out there protecting the city lethally. Do you love how Venom is still pining for Anne? <laughs> Maybe even more than Eddie is? Yeah. Well, technically he was inside Anne also. He... <laughs> I've been inside. I, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Mulligan, a detective, asked journalist Eddie Brock to speak to serial killer Cassidy in San Quentin State Prison. Um, so uh, what is Eddie's job at this point? I think Eddie at this point is a freelance journalist, but I couldn't tell you the last time he sold something. Well, it must have been very soon because he's driving. He, do you recognize the bike he has at the beginning of this movie? Is it a Bugatti? It is 100% a Bugatti. And I'm like, wait a minute. Those are like... Fifty thousand dollars. Oh, I don't think that. I don't think they're the red one he has. I looked it up. It's like forty. It's like really. Yeah, the red I'm one no he kidding. gets later. Which I'm like, wait, how does he have another motorcycle? Mode of transportation that people own in this movie make no sense with oh. their pal with their salary scale. I'm so sorry. I totally. Now this is one of the super Lagera. That's the one that he has. The red one is a super Lagera. Hundred. Costs a hundred. An article from 2020 said it would cost a hundred thousand dollars. The high cost comes from the extensive use of carbon fiber. I'm so sorry. I totally, I totally uh, was. Oh, a hundred thousand. So, or maybe the black one is fifty, and then he gets a hundred thousand. And like, but then like later in the movie, he's he's really freaking out about the TV. And I'm like, what, what does it matter? 
if you can afford a Bugatti, you can uh, afford a new fucking TV. Oh wait, I'm sorry. I was looking at <laughs> Do Oh yeah, no, Bugatti. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. It also linked out to Ducati, which is I believe a different manufacturer. Sorry. So the the Google was steering me wrong. But that that Bugatti uh, the high-end one goes for $100,000 because it's carbon fiber, which is pretty fucking cool. All right. <sighs> all right. Continue with the plot. That's all. Yes. Okay. Uh, now, so here's my first question for discussion. Mm-hmm. We got a little tease of Woody Harrelson as Cassidy at the end of the first movie. to set In up the worst movie. wig possible. In the worst wig possible. I saw a reference that, and I don't know if it was, I can't remember... Hang on, before we continue, the yeah. worst wig possible, but 100% <laughs> accurate to what Cassidy's hair is supposed to look like. Yes. Bugs yes. me that it is not the the curly mop top in, in this. Just get him a better wig. Like, I guess Woody Harrelson was like, no, it looks stupid. I'm like, you're not looking at the source material, man. It would be like Chris Evans being like, I'll play Captain America, but I don't want to carry a shield. Right, right. Like, that is one of the things Cassidy is known for, is having that big funky mop on the top of his head. Sure. Ruben Fleischer was the director from the first movie. <laughs> Not asked back for the sequel. Uh, oh, actually, he walked away. He walked away he because walked away. of yeah, yeah. how terrible, how much, well, you know, go back and listen to Venom. <laughs> You'll oh, see how we yeah, thought about that yes. movie. Now, Ruben Fleischer had also directed Zombieland, where obviously he works with Woody Harrelson. And actually, it makes sense. He's in the first movie. He was big on Woody Harrelson. One of the things that he referenced that he he really connected to Woody Harrelson's performance in Natural Born Killers yeah. as like a, you know, a, a great connection point to Cletus Cassidy. So I want to ask you this question. As both a lover of movies, as well as an actor, Anthony Hopkins plays Hannibal Lecter. He's on screen for what? Nine minutes and wins an Academy Award, right? Um, I would argue that Hopkins almost kind of redefined like playing the chilling psychopath in a movie. Yep. How how do you play a character like that after Silence of the Lambs as both a movie aficionado and as an actor? What's your take on that? How do you come in and not be Hannibal Lecter? Well, with Harrelson, I I would have said maybe read the comics. Doesn't I don't feel like he did. Okay. I feel like maybe his assistant read a couple and gave him some notes on it. Like he could have been stoned. He well, he one hundred percent was stoned. Um, he he is just doing his character from Natural Born Killers, and that's where like. I didn't think he was good casting. I believe I pointed out in Venom. I'm like, this is terrible casting. Mm-hmm. Like, he's already, he, honestly, like, I think he has this gear, but like, and just the look of him, Tom Hiddleston would be a really good Cletus Cassidy. Like, first of all, Cletus Cassidy is supposed to be like amazingly svelte. And it bugs me that like, when he becomes Carnage, he's like three times the size of Venom. I'm like, no, he's smaller than Venom, but he's stronger. That's he's like wiry and and uh, he's like Spider Man. Like, okay, he, he shouldn't yep. be bigger than uh, Venom. He should be Spider Man, not Hulk. Yep, and that and they went Hulk, and that I mean, I guess it's just the part where Casey bitches about what he doesn't like about Carnage specifically. <laughs> but the, the other thing is that. When he read the script and there's all this pushback between the two of them, that's not 
Carnage. Carnage and Cassidy instantaneously are like, let's do this thing. Like, there is no conflict. I think that's a weak spot. So flash forward to the end of the movie. The sudden rift between Carnage and Cassidy that really gives Eddie and Venom an opening to exploit feels a little like deus ex machina, right? Like a oh, little it's 100% deus ex machina. Yeah. But it's also like the whole movie. They're not really simpatico. Sure. Like, and in fact, Eddie points that out to Venom in the final fight. They're not. Yeah. They're not like in symbiosis. They're not mm-hmm. working together. Whereas Eddie and Venom are, and that's yeah. how uh, they're stronger. If there had been that, and then the thing with how Shriek uses Sonic, uh, mm-hmm. uh, pretty much small Sonic booms to to uh, attack, and that it hurts them. Then the conflict happened. I would have enjoyed it better. They would have been like a, oh, here's here's the reason they they don't work. They mm-hmm. should have been so together, and then that happens, and like Cassidy's almost like hurt by it that they're, and then then everything else can happen. But I needed more of a connection between the sure. two of them. All right, so let me finish this thought, and um, so on this theme of how you play a compelling character who is beyond psychopathic. And mm-hmm. not, you know, mimic Hannibal Lecter. Cassidy's playful, almost whimsy, right? Uh-huh. I could think of one great performance on film post Silence of the Lambs where I would say that character is bone chillingly evil and alien, not like science fiction alien, but like totally inhuman that was like defining. Um, I'm thinking of one too. I'm wondering if we're thinking of the same one. Go ahead. Javier Bardem in No Country for Old Men, oh. Anton Scherja. See, you're going for like the cold chilling. Sure, sure. The more Cletus Cassidy. Okay. Sam Rockwell in the Green Mile. Just oh. absolute chaos from the first second he's on screen till uh, spoilers for that movie, his device. Right? Yeah. That's so a, I think. No, yes, that's right. Um, Percy yeah, kills, him. Get, right. kills him. Kills uh, him. So, m- full acknowledgement: neither one of us are psychologists or psychiatrists. Right. I believe um, is it Wild Bill? Mm-hmm. I don't think he's a psychopath. I actually think he's a sociopath. Well, yeah, I, that's true, and, 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 and that's be, more what. Yeah, that's more what Cletus is. I think that may be the my problem with his performance. Mm. He's more well, of a sociopath. Yeah, he's more like. I just want to. I just want to create carnage. Like his Got name it. is Carnage because he just literally just like yeah. uh, walking down the street, just stabbing people in the head. Because why the fuck not? Like he, he's more. He's uh, he's what everyone wants the Joker to be. Got it. Okay. Pure chaos. Yeah. Pure chaos. Never know what he's gonna do next. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. That that helps because I you know I was reading comics when Venom shows up, you, mm-hmm. you know, true you know not just the black costume but Venom. Um, but I was not reading comics when Carnage and all of the the and that was my on. like yeah, that was my sweet spot. You know who else shows up that I just remembered? Do you remember Cardiac? Yes. <laughs> Fucking weird character, man. That that is the Todd McFarlane era of Spider-Man, which had some really good mm-hmm. stuff in it. And I, I love his Like artwork. he had that staff that he'd shoot yeah. and it'd make like a cardiac. Yeah, like, the, like the, the wave. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. So weird. Bring uh, cardiac into the MCU. He please. also had the guy who 
was like a construction superintendent who had like jackrabbit powers. He'd been bitten by like a radioactive <laughs> jackrabbit. So he had like super strong you. legs. Oh, yeah. It's really. <laughs> Do you remember when Peter in that run, Peter goes to like Kansas? He gets a job at a lab. So this is, you're talking McFarlane. McFarlane, uh, yeah. The, oh, the oh. ultimate uh, Maximum Carnage was a bunch of different people because it was all four Spider-Man titles at the time. Got it. But the main one was, fuck, not Ed Bagley Jr. That's the, that's the, uh, that is the, that's actor. the actor. Yeah. <laughs> Hang on. I got to look it up. It's gonna, let's see here. Mark Bagley. Mark Bagley. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he had kind of a McFarlane feel to how he drew Spidey. Oh yeah! Too. Oh yeah! Yeah! yeah. Yep. I totally see that. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He took over for uh, McFarlane after Amazing oh. in, in Amazing Spider-Man. Got it. Got it. Okay. Cool. I think he also may have taken over for Spawn. Like, oh no! So he just Mark was probably like, "I'll I'll take over from here, Todd." Listen, Mike, <laughs> hey, one of the good Todds. Yes. Well, yes. I mean, created some interesting characters, had some cool artwork when he was drawing, and made a lot of shitty toys that broke the second you looked at them. Because I bought he a didn't bunch of them. Personally, I bought. He a, didn't personally make that them. Was oh, that was his toy line. Like, and he was, but he didn't personally make them. You, listen, some I poor bought a kid num- in Indonesia <laughs> made them. <laughs> I bought a number of those toys for Christian because that was the oh, era. same. Yeah, and they broke. Well, I didn't buy them for Christian, but I bought them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> I bought them for your son, who I didn't know at the <laughs> that's time. Right, that's right. You're just holding. One them day fun. I'll know some kid named Christian, and he'll like this toy. <laughs> oh, it broke. Oh, that's unfortunate. Uh, all right. So, um, you know, certain TSPHC Army, if you've got thoughts on psychopaths or, you know, the the crazy killers in uh, movies and entertainment, drop us a line. Yeah. Love, I'd, I'd love your thoughts on that because I'm, I'm trying to get to more peeling behind the curtain. When you and I sit at a bar and talk about, like, we just saw a movie, we go on tangents like this. We don't mm-hmm. recap scene by scene. So, um, yep. Trying to bring more of that to the podcast. So with that, we need the audience to weigh in on what they think about that question or the other ones we're going to ask later. Our buddy Corey, his uh, wife, might be able to tell us the difference between, I mean, I got a rough idea, but what's the clinical difference between a psychopath and a sociopath? Sure, sure. I want that. And do any of those characters we've referenced, do those align with clinical understandings of either of those terms or is that movie entertainment creating? Yeah. Are we talking? Yeah, like like uh, associative di- uh, identity disorder. <laughs> like that's not how yeah, that works. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like exactly. multiple personality is not at all how it is portrayed in in the movies. Correct. Agree. At least I know that much. At least I will do it. I don't like you. Let me eat him. Mulligan has asked Eddie to speak to serial killer Cassidy in San Quentin State Prison because Cassidy refuses to talk to anyone other than Brock. Maybe he wants to spill the beans about where the missing bodies are buried. After the visit, Brock's alien symbiote Venom deduces where Cassidy has hidden the bodies of his victims, which gives Brock a huge career boost. That was fun. Yeah. When Venom took over. What do you think? I think I'm Pablo Picasso. No! That's exactly my question for you. The combination of fast motion and Tom Hardy's acting. where Tom Hardy's physicality in these movies is fantastic. Like, it's not Eddie Brock from the comics at all. 
and I'm fine with that. There's so much. I think that's why I'm so frustrated by Venom and Venom Let There Be Carnage because people are giving really cool, interesting performances that I want to see more of, yep. but not in this universe. Unless we're going to do in the third one a soft reboot. I mean, honestly, like, bring bring these characters and the performers into the MCU and let's get a script worthy of it and we'll go from there. And Tom has story by credit because he wanted like certain things to happen with Venom in this movie. Yeah. And the things that I think he pushed for, the idea is great. The execution by the screenwriter, not so awesome. <laughs> yeah. My criticism of the first Venom movie, I loved the cast, the CGI, the action sequences. I loved all of those things except for that pesky little story. Right. The things that people were saying in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah, if we could have like a silent movie of uh, <laughs> Tom Hardy just being like. Well, even just the, yeah, even but even like what happened in that movie, I, you know, I thought was not worth everything else that was there. I 100% agree. You know what is worth the price of admission then some? Is Mrs. Chen. Good evening, Eddie. Hey, Mrs. Chen. Good evening, Ben. The scene in which. Eddie and Venom go to the store because Venom's hungry. The substance he needs is only found in brains and chocolate. Chocolate hasn't arrived yet. No, no, we have a deal. I believe uh, I pointed that out uh, in Venom. They didn't outrightly say it. They just said he wanted chocolate. I, and I was like, because there is a certain uh, enzyme that is found in chocolate and brains. You did say that. Uh, full credit. Agree 100%. Um, it's because I said it. They're like, oh, we should probably explain we, it to other people. That's totally right. Because Andy Serkis, huge fan of our podcast. Yeah, clearly. And he's welcome anytime. Yeah. But anytime. I, I love that scene in the convenience store. Mrs. Chen is kind <laughs> of, you know, softly blackmailing them, right? <laughs> What's going to happen? You're going to stop protecting me? I don't think so. I've been keeping my mouth shut, feeding your little secret. Wow. Do you, you think that, like, at this point, Eddie would realize, don't stop respond out loud to Venom, because it only gets him in trouble every time. I am happy to eat, Mrs. Chen! No, no, you cannot eat, Mrs. Chen. Her face. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think you're right, and I think he overall does a pretty good job. I think the times he responds out loud is because he's so shocked or surprised by what Venom has said, he can't help but blurt it out. Okay, here's hoping in the third one, yeah. yes. they finally go, let's all have this, because, you know, um, uh, Tom Hardy has great facial expressions. He can do that all on his face yep. and have the con- and then like um <laughs> like I zombie. Yeah. Uh you know, anytime she'd have the vision yep. by like the fourth season, she'd have the vision that it would come back to the people that were standing around her and just be like, Yeah, we just have to wait till it's over. We yeah. can't do anything. Because <laughs> it'd be these huge long scenes, and it would come back and they'd be like, Did you just have a vision? And I'm like, uh, clearly she did. She's just standing there going. <sighs> so please, for the third one, have it all be internal and let Tom Hardy just do it all with his face. All right. So we've given our notes. So we expect, yeah. expect some. Mr. Circus, yeah. please. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. Is he not knighted? I believe Andy Circus was. Oh, I'm sure. He, I'm sure he's knighted. Oh, wait. I'm sure he's knighted by the late 
Queen Elizabeth just happened this afternoon. Holy cow. 70 fucking years. The longest monarchy ever. This is a great time to talk about the bloody oppressive history of the British throne mm-hmm. and uh, the British Empire. Yeah. Fuck monarchies. Fuck yeah. monarchies. Right. But look, look, listen, the time that she served, there was very little of that. I mean, there was some fucked up shit with India. But... Um, you think? Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part. And the fact that she uh, reigned, she was in charge for, I mean, let's be honest. The last 20-ish years has just been like, hello, Merry Christmas, all right, goodbye. Yeah, yeah but she also, well, listen. Uh, Eddie Izzard has a great bit about that. Oh, yeah? When uh, when, when Diana um, uh, of Wales, or what, what What was her last name? Oh, She had a last name. Spencer. Spencer. Yes. When she died, yep. and they're like, and the queen said nothing. She said nothing for days, and then finally it was like they dragged her out, and then she's like, oh, it was a Christmas already. <laughs> oh, oh, yikes. All right. Um, it's like, wow. Fuck monarchy. Okay, so Brock is then contacted by his ex-fiance, Anne Wying. I'm sorry I haven't returned your calls. I guess I just needed a little space after the whole alien biting a guy's head off thing, so. Ah, the good old days. In a much better wig or... Sure. Actually, grew her hair out. I'm mm-hmm. not sure which one. Either way, good job with it not being a dollar store wig. Is Anne still a lawyer? She is. She got fired. Is she? Is she now working she, for another law firm? Yeah. Yeah. She's. Listen. She's. I mean, she didn't she's get, driving she didn't get, a fucking Mini Cooper. She didn't get disbarred. She got. She got fired, <laughs> and it was yeah, arguably she, Eddie's fault. So she. Oh, 100%. She distanced herself oh. from Eddie. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. But. She's driving a Mini Cooper. Like, Dan drives an Audi. And I get that. Dan's a doctor. Got mm-hmm. it. Doctors make lots of money. She had to have, like, started over. She's not partner at this point. We we don't. First of all, the, th- the fact that these three people live in fucking San Francisco <laughs> in three separate houses right, right. is beyond me. Well, at le- well, listen. First of all, Eddie's in an apartment. But at least Anne and Dan are... You know, professionals that in career fields that make a lot of money, so they're the ones that can afford houses in San Francisco. Right. Eddie's in an apartment, but he's also in a giant apartment. Does that, San Francisco have rent control? I don't think so. I don't okay. believe they do. I mean. Okay. All right. Well, it's a fictional movie universe. Are you watching on Disney Plus? Because uh, we are in loving the I Am Groot shorts. I have not watched any of them yet. First of all, they're like five minutes, so they're yeah, so consumable, but they are a lot of fun. This connects, so uh, Brock is then con- contacted by his ex-fiance, Anne Wying, who tells him that she is now engaged to Dr. Dan Lewis to Venom's displeasure. Now, after this, we get a scene of Venom cooking, and give me... Oh, my God. Give I, me the I, Venom cooking show. Give me the Venom cooking show, and they can be shorts. They can be five minutes. You know, Venom, Venom makes a nice curry. Great. I'm watching it. And I want exactly what we just got in this movie because that is sheer delight, and you know it's true. No, it is. It's it's very funny, especially when he's. Just, I say either. I say either. I say neither. Either 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 neither. Let's call the whole thing off. Also, listen. Looking for ways to you know expand the brand here. I would be interested in uh, an album of Venom sings the classics and. We just get him doing some crooning and stuff. Yeah, I'm down for that. Come on. One of the songs, of course, has to be Just the Two of Us. Yeah, that's right. 
That's right. That's right. Uh, a duet with Eddie and Venom. Yes. <laughs> but like, please let Tom Hardy do it like he has been drugged into the studio and wants nothing to do with this. So she's like, just the two of us. We can make it if we try. <laughs> Come on, Eddie. You're Come not on, even Eddie. making an effort. <laughs> kind of like I told the you, uh, Fred I told you I didn't want to do this. <laughs> in a very dead, very Deadpool Christmas or whatever that was. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Once upon a Deadpool. Once upon a Deadpool. Yeah. Which we will um, not be reviewing for this show. Oh, why won't we do that one? Let's do that. It'll be fun. As opposed it came to, out in theaters. It came out in theaters. To Deadpool 2? The Super Duper Cut? I thought. Maybe mm, I could be. It's, listen. It's two. Okay. All right. Uh, hang now, on. Hang no, no, on. listen, listen. Oh, doesn't no. matter. Why did, did look, Casey? We gotta talk about Venom. Let there be carnage. Hang on, folks. He does not want to, but he has to. Okay. Once upon. Wait, maybe it wasn't called Once Upon a Deadpool. Yeah, it was Once Upon a Deadpool. It's not showing up on IMDb. Well, we don't have to do it. Oh well. Once upon a Deadpool, it was Deadpool two. My yeah, bad. because there my were bad. three different versions of Deadpool two: That's the theatrical, right. the super duper, and, and Once Upon a Deadpool. So, which one are we doing? Uh, well, listen. When we get there, we'll, we'll get there. Mm, motherfucker. Hello, I'm M, and I'm Eyes. And welcome to our brand new podcast, Tipples and Tolkien. Let us be your guides as we return to Middle-earth this fall with the premiere of the new Amazon show, Rings of Power. We'll discuss episodes with you, tell tales of old, and even bring you a brand new tipple recipe every week to enjoy. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, as well as Twitter, which is at Tipples Tolkien, that is T-I-P-P-L-E-S-T-O-L-K-I-E-N, and Instagram at tipples and tolkien so cozy up pour yourself a drink and come on a journey with us this fall on tipples and tolkien cassidy who has been found guilty of his crimes and sentenced to death by lethal infection <laughs> infection injection invites brock to attend his execution now brock speaks speaks with cassidy who would insults Brock, provoking Venom to attack Cassidy. Cassidy bites Brock's hand and ingests a small part of the symbiote. Back at their home, Venom has an argument with Brock. Now, I'm going to call this first fight, even though it's between the protagonist and the protagonist. It's a pretty good fight. And my question for you, is it a better fight? Acknowledging that this is in a superhero movie versus the other one is not. Is this a better phantom fight than Fight Club? No. Okay. All right. Not even, a, folks, not even a hesitation there. For no, the, because with, that's, God, that's just, the instant you, I wasn't thinking that's where you're going. The instant you said it, I I started smiling. What the hell are you doing? Oh. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. That notwithstanding, your thoughts on this fight. This one's yeah. great, too. I mean, again, Tom Hardy is doing such great physical work that it's just, it's delightful. These are the parts of the movie that I like. Yeah. There is a lot to like here. It's almost like on the rewatch of Thor, the dark world, the stuff with the, the dark elves and the ether is kind of shitty, but uh. there's stuff in there like the Thor and Loki relationship and the yeah. Thor and his mother that 
is really, really good and worth watching, you know? Oh, yeah, I like it. It's just uh, what's coming is what is uh, bumming me out. <laughs> okay. All right. That's fair. Venom has that argument with Brock. Do you know how lucky you are that I chose you? You chose me? Buddy, I'm the only person that took you in when your friends kicked you off the planet Ming Mong because you are a reject. You are a pariah. Lethal protection, my ass. You couldn't protect anything. You are useless. You can get a job down here cleaning toilets. And the symbiote decides to leave Brock's body and go off on its own. But not before Johnny Fiving his Bugatti. Yeah, he 100% does that it's horrible kids the johnny five was a character from a uh, mildly racist 80s movie called short circuit where he takes apart an entire trans am venom doesn't take it apart so much as he simply trashes it right oh yeah he well yeah, yeah no he trashes it yeah he trashes it. <laughs> throws pieces at him now, <laughs> and now, Eddie, yeah again i want to point out from a dungeons and dragons perspective despite what the scoobies tell us you should never ever ever split the party. So this is clearly a bad decision. I'm going to put this in your head for now. Okay. And when we get to it later, I'll see if you agree. Much like the Babadook. Yep. This character of Venom has become a hero to the LGBTQ community. Oh, I was not aware of that. Yeah, both the Babadook and this, because Babadook is about accepting who you are and, sure. and what happens. And much like this, same thing. Venom yep. makes... And I'm like, okay, Weird choices, but not my n- not my camp, not my decision. Like, yep. we need to take a step back with everything, and like, just because I don't agree with it, doesn't make me a monster. I don't okay. agree with with that either. One of those characters are LGBTQ friendly, mm-hmm. but I'm not LGBTQ. I am an ally, and if you guys want to think that, go right ahead. It's weird to me, but go right ahead. I, I mean, I'm not here to it- stop you, but I am here to tell you. It's a little weird. You know, I do like the scene after they split, you know, when Venom finds his way to a party. and <laughs> Yeah, that's the part that the LGBTQ is yeah. like, look, he's, he's realizing he's gay. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. you know, I did like that. I did, you know, I was struck by, you know, it's a comedy podcast, but we also talk, also talk about real stuff. At the Pride Parade this year, you know, my wife had a booth. I uh-huh. was down there working. And I, I was struck by the moment, like halfway through the event, um, if to look around the people attending the Pride event, certainly by physical appearance, you would say, boy, these are the people, these are like, not everyone, but you see here in this group, the outcasts, the people that are clearly different from us, right? And mm-hmm, if they're different mm-hmm. from us, they must be, must be bad. And yet, despite the fact that so many people there were different from it's you know certainly myself but other people like the variety of people there yeah i would challenge you to find a more opening inviting and accepting group i mean that was the that was the tone of pride this year that i would just so that i just loved so much was how open and welcoming everyone is so that's pretty cool i i i, I liked that scene where you know venom goes to a rave and is accepted for who he is. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of misunderstanding, you know, treat aliens better. I think maybe they interpreted differently than he intended, but there's a really cool message in there. So I'm good with that. I'm good more with this. It's just like when the articles came out, I was like, much like the Babadook. I'm like, the Babadook? What? Got it. The monster lives in the basement? (laughs) Well, listen, any, you know, is any 
good English student or English major will tell you, you know, you can write that essay about anything. You know, you, know, well, you can, yeah, you, can you can you can craft anything to support that argument. So, did you ever see the Babadook? I did not. I, uh, for a split second, I was like, I have. I was thinking of Krampus. I didn't. I've not seen the Babadook. I'm aware of it. Haven't seen it. Yeah, New Zealand's a weird man. Okay. They make weird shit. <laughs> soon come chaos. Chaos soon come. Are those your final words? As Cassidy's execution begins, a red symbiote emerges. I like the effect. Love the effect. Of how, like, much like the opposite of Venom, when Venom comes around, Eddie, it, like, kind of starts at his chest area and, shh, and then goes like this. In this, because it's in his bloodstream, it, like, pops out of him all over the place. It's really yeah, yeah. gnarly. But, like, are the aliens, are the symbiotes uh, impervious to everything? Like Everything but fire and sound. All right. All right that was my problem. That's pretty true to the comics, and it's you know certainly consistent. I think within the, in the movies, that's true. Okay, uh, and blocks the injection. I actually, my note here was that I thought the first appearance of Carnage is wonderful. Yeah, right? like, it's pretty cool. Yeah, visually, it's everything you want it to be. He is, you know, he is a monster not just in appearance but in his actions, and it's horrifying. Um, yep. The warden has a moment where he kind of begs for mercy and uh, you're wasting your breath buddy you're gonna die out of breath there yep exactly carnage goes on a violent rampage through the prison yes he does freeing inmates and killing guards now comic carnage would have also killed the inmates like he might have saved like one or two but like or even worse he would be like yeah you're free right through the back of the head as they're running away like he just, just kills for fun yep uh, Carnage agrees to help Cassidy break Barrison out of Ravencroft uh, in exchange for Cassidy's help eliminating Brock and Venom. Mulligan visits Brock at home and warns him about the situation. Okay. Uh, at Ravencroft, Cassidy frees Barrison and they travel to St. Estes Children's Home and burn it down. Yikes. Weird that uh, Carnage was okay with fire, uh, since we were just talking about that. Uh, <laughs> Mulligan grows suspicious of Brock and arrests him. Brock contacts Wayne and tells, and as his lawyer, and reveals that Venom has separated from him. <sighs> as Venom makes his way through San Francisco by hopping from body to body. So in the first movie, remember the whole thing with like, oh my God, you can't, Venom and you can't be connected because it's killing you. And we see that with all these other hosts. Where did that go with, with Eddie and Venom? So my, my head canon is that Eddie is compatible with the symbiote, right? Like, and if that's a mutation or he's predisposed, you know, we've seen some science lately that suggests that um, different blood types may have been more or less susceptible to COVID. And mm-hmm. I've been reading some literature about how blood types might relate to the risk of heart attack Ooh. because of the the protein structure, something like that. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you could see a scenario in which, okay, Eddie has some biological characteristics that allow him to, you know, survive this contact and, you know, separation, whereas most people it's going to, you know, he's going to burn through it and kill him, yeah, which I just we wish, see. Yeah, yeah, we see a ton. Like, he's yeah. just leaving bodies everywhere. Uh, The movie doesn't spend a lot of time on that, but it's certainly a little bit of a dark undercurrent. Everyone except 
everyone that we see except for Eddie and Anne, like. Uh, what about the last guy that he's in before? Uh, at the rave. Well. Uh, well, but what about at the rave? I think that last guy that he's does in. He survive? I think he does. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, so, so maybe it's not as bleak as I thought it was. Okay. But still, there's like at least three other people. There's that a couple. Die. There's a couple <laughs> bodies here. Yeah. As Venom makes his way through San Francisco by hopping from body to body, Wayne finds him bonded to Mrs. Chen. What do you want? Oh, she's a charmer. Hilarious scene. Because at first you're like, oh, she's just pissed because it's Anne. You broke Eddie's heart. Okay, I actually don't have time to explain why that's wildly off the mark. This scene is just delightful. And mm-hmm. Michelle Monaghan, phenomenal actress, obviously. Um, she is, but she's also not in this movie. Michelle Williams? Michelle Williams. Yes, <laughs> Michelle Williams, also a phenomenal actress who is in this movie. And she's just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I meant. Yeah, you got me. <laughs> that may yeah. be one of my favorite ones of all time. That's the up there with Thomas Michelle? Holland. Who she's the fuck uh, is Michelle she's Tom. She's Tom Cruise's wife in Mission Impossible Three. She's also in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Michelle Monaghan. Oh, okay, that one. Okay, oh, but she's yeah. great too. Yeah, she's yeah, she's great. Yeah. Oh, Gone Baby Gone. Yeah. Yeah. Oh fuck okay. yeah! Oh, Jesus, yeah. we can't go right. down that. I'll be depressed for days if we talk about Gone Baby hey, Gone. Hey Casey, you know who's a great actress? Michelle Williams. She's <laughs> in this and she's wonderful. Oh yeah, that's adorable that you think I'm not going to cut that giant yeah. fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, that that scene is just delightful. But even like, I love Anne's realization that she can 100% manipulate Venom. Cletus will come for him. He won't survive without you. Of course he won't. Because I am the hero of the two of us. Yeah, you're the big sexy hero. You're the coolest, you're the hottest, and you're the bravest. I am. No, I'm still standing right here. No one likes you, Dan. So Venom reunites with Eddie uh, by being having she Venom again, which is up there with a movie we haven't gotten to. Mm. Endgame. Careful, Casey. That's a spoiler. But yeah, it's pretty much like, hey, you like She-Venom in the first movie. Here she is for 30 seconds. All right, bye. <laughs> That's right. That's to what you were saying before, Venom definitely has a thing for uh, uh, Anne. Because yeah. like, and weirdly for Eddie, because how do they swap back again? Oh, yeah, by uh, smooching. Kiss her. Uh, you going to kiss me? No. 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 Oh, God, I'm never doing that again. God, well, maybe never. I don't know. Honestly, it's really fun. I love at the end of this when uh, Eddie's like, Dan, pack quickly, don't stay. And if for any reason. Fire and sound. Fire and sound? Is that a band? No, it's what kills them. Yeah. Okay, look, man, I've got her. Slams his head into the horn. <laughs> Not sorry. Ah. Oh. God, I'm so sorry. Man, those two need some serious couples counseling. Cassidy takes Mulligan hostage, and Barrison captures Wayne. How do you say this, Wayne? I'm saying Wayne, Wayne but I could Wayne. Have, I okay, totally sure. Wrong. Taking them both to the cathedral where Cassie and Barrison plan to get married. It's the cathedral from uh, Daredevil, right? Daredevil. It's 100% the cathedral from Daredevil. Um, and interesting, you note that the visuals that we're going to get in a minute here. So as Brock and Venom arrive and they start fighting Carnage. Um, there's a portion of the battle that really focuses on the bell tower of the cathedral and the bells. Uh-huh. I love this. This is clearly fan service, a nod to in the original comics when Peter realizes that the black suit is a symbiote and he has a hard time getting rid of it. He has this kind of 
final battle with it. And this is mm-hmm. before it becomes Venom, you know, in the tower of a church where the, the, the sound of the, of the ringing bells are, are, is enough to weaken the symbiote so Peter can get free. So yeah, it I also happens on the Spider-Man it. animated series. I mean, yeah, anytime because, Peter again, needs to get rid of it, that, that's what happens. And, and that's all the nod back to the comics, know, the, yeah. the original comics, which I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, um, you had a note there about the fight. Oh, well, you've got to read that first. Dingling. Oh, I said, well, Brock and Venom arrived to fight Carnage. Oh, and my just oh. again, the whole that's a red one thing is just and I do like, though, when they first walk in and Venom just disappears and Eddie's what the hell are you doing? <laughs> oh, shit. That's a red one. Oh, shit. Go. That is a yeah. red one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I want more of that. Tell me. Tell me why that matters. Um, I love that Venom, you know, you just summed it up right. Venom's a child, mm-hmm. right? Like he's emotional, he's reactive, he's fearful, uh, he's brash. That's a pretty good characterization. I like that. Um, Which is, you know, not how the symbiote is in the comics at all. Like he's yeah. cunning, he's smart, sure. he's. Sure, sure. You know, one of the powers. Um, did you read the. Le- I-, I wonder. Yes, I, I, I was I was into comics in Lethal Enforcer. Yeah. And it didn't have that kind of vibe? Uh, a little bit. Like, he helps a little old lady cross the street, and she's like, oh, thank you. You're very welcome, citizen. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he's just like, it. fuck, this is... <laughs> uh, give me that, like, yeah. It's, the great thing is, like, and I hope we get there maybe with Venom 3, like, I want people to know who Venom is, and so when he shows up, there's that, are you here to eat me, or... Yeah. Yes. Save me. Yeah, like a little twist on this friendly neighborhood Spider-Man trope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's and he's cool. in the right city. I mean, that's the city Venom sure. goes to in the comics to be the lethal protector. Get away from it all. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Barrison seemingly kills Mulligan by hanging him with a chain. Um, yeah. During this, Venom is overpowered by Carnage, but provokes Barrison into using her powers to separate Carnage and Cassidy. And I think, as we said, you know, this is really a in my opinion, a little bit of a weak plot point. I mm-hmm. I would put it in the same league as Martha. Why did you say that name? It's that thin to me. Like, well, like we've discussed why convenient. Martha's not that thin to me, but I get the general public why they don't like the Martha thing. Agree, and uh, you know, it, it's certainly convenient for the plot and the writers, but it to me it feels a little bit like lazy writing. Hmm. Um, now we do get the interesting thing where. Venom says the movie title in the movie at mm. one hour, 17 minutes Carnage and 48. No, no, no. Venom says, let there be. Oh, doesn't he? One no, it's, it's Carnage that says, let oh. there be Carnage. Oh, my note was wrong. Yeah, you're right. That certainly makes more sense. Which well, is uh, Woody Harrelson doing that voice. And initially, yes. Harrelson wanted it to be Circus doing it. Yeah, and Circus yeah, like, yeah. ah, ha, ha, I've done my, my fair share. Yeah, Thank you very I'm much. Done I'm done. He even so, wanted Circus to do like the motion capture. I, I think it was secretly Harrelson's way of being like, yeah, yeah, yeah pay me all this money. I'm only going to be here for when it's just Cassidy. I've read the script. I'm in like 20 pages. So yeah, yeah give me, you know, $15 million, whatever. But I'm on And then Andy Circus like, yeah, that's not what's going to happen here. Now <laughs> you made a comment earlier that I kind of held off on. So, the voice here and the voice between this and what are we going to say? it? I feel like it doesn't spoil the movie. It's a, it's a post credit. The end of. No, don't. No. 
No. Okay. Shut up. <laughs> Cutting so all this. <laughs> you had you had a point that you feel. So, what's your take on the voice here for Venom in this movie? It's very different than it was in the first one. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, Tom's trying to up the silly of it, and I kind of love it. Yeah. Like, same. Like Turd in the Wind is nowhere in this movie. Like that's that's the point where. When I watched the movie, actually, when we saw the trailer, that I went, oh, then it may be a bad movie. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. then you will be some legless, armless, eyeless thing rolling down the road like a turd in the wind. You, <laughs> like, you know, wait, clearly that line was supposed to be funny, and it, it didn't come off. It would have been funnier if it had been this Venom voice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like but, a turd uh, in the wind. <laughs> but it's all of it, right? Like, I think, I think the first Venom movie was at times too serious mm-hmm. right which under which then works against this and kind of silliness i think sometimes this movie because of how serious the first one was is a little too silly third movie i hope we find that nice balanced ground of serious moments with silly oh i'll take all f- I'll, I'll take all of the silliness here i don't dial it back at all i'm good with all of it <laughs> have fun watching venom 3 then yeah okay all right um so uh, now Venom devours Carnage and kills with our Cap- with our one and only fuck in a PG thirteen movie. Fuck this guy! Oh, yeah, bites his head off. He sure does. Yeah, that's crazy. So again, he, he did like, it in the first one too. It was oh, fuck it. Let's save Earth. Yeah, <laughs> the one. Um, but yeah, because you can get two in a PG thirteen movie now. Which again, as I mentioned in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, silly. We need a, another rating system between PG thirteen and R. I, it's a word. I don't give a, there. There are there you are words that fuck? I will. I don't give a fuck. There are words I will not say, but fuck is not one of them. So uh, I love uh, when Hamilton was coming to Disney Plus. Speaking of which, yeah. did, you, did you see Lin Manuel's uh, tweet letter about it? Yeah, two fucks. That's what I had to give up to get it on Disney. Yeah. Which now probably like with Deadpool and Logan being on there, Lynn's probably like, come on. (laughs) Who gives a fuck? Purely a personal perspective. I use the word fuck all the time. I I do too. I have to actively work not to use it in some scenarios. So for me, that's authentic. And You mean like when I have total strangers in the car with me all day? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um. Now, and they're and they're dropping f bombs left and right. And I'm like, I'm not going to join you because I don't know how you'll react. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, the hypocrisy of that. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, Cassidy's dead uh, at Venom's hand. Barrison is crushed by the collapsing cathedral, specifically the 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 bell itself. <laughs> now, I see this note, and I gotta be honest with you, I'm not sure that I saw this moment. Yeah, the, it's the there, plot yeah. summary later in a live Mulligan's eyes flash blue. It's when everything has happened and it pans up and you see him laying there, his eyes open and they flash blue, and that makes oh. him some other venom. One of the other symbiotes. <sighs> not Riot. He was in the first one. I mean, we had a blue symbiote in the first Venom movie. So f- setting the comics aside, just from the movie universe. The blue one was wasn't the blue one the leader? No, uh, riots riots silver. Oh, okay, silver. Got it. Okay, Mulligan, hang on. Blue, blue eyes. Mulligan, blue eyes. 
It means that he is going to be... Oh God, I clicked on the one. Shriek. Oh, no, Shriek. No, 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 that's... Oh, then people are thinking he might become Agent Toxin. Oh, fuck. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we'll see what happens there. All right. Whenever. Now, uh, at the conclusion of this, Brock and Venom, now fugitives, decide to take a vacation while they ponder their next steps. And that'll bring us to a mid-credit scene. Yeah. Uh, well, Venom t- so that means uh, before we get there, and movie. You want with me on the cold block nights, now you front row for the spotlight. Not a diamonds in the autumn bright, yes. That's right. Now, but wait. <laughs> but wait. There's more. Uh, in this mid-credit scene, Venom tells Brock about the symbiote's knowledge of other universes. As he's doing this, a blinding light transports them from their hotel room to another room where they watch... Redacted, talking <laughs> about Redacted's revealed identity as Redacted on television. Again, if you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, and that scene is buttoned by Venom licking the screen after saying, That, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> now, initially, I hated all this. But now knowing what we know, that all the symbiotes uh, can transfer sure. knowledge across multiverse, yep. I hate this scene less. <laughs> All right. I enjoy um, what happens in the follow-up to this that we will get to in like three years, probably. In three years. <laughs> um, not if we're lucky. If we're lucky, we'll get there sooner. But so, Casey, that is movie. That is movie. In a world where the lovers are free, free the lies and the pain and deceit. See, glitter ain't always gold. They want war, but we came for the peace. Oh, so Todd. Yes, yes. That was Venom. Let every carnage. I um, liked it a oh, lot. For, this is a better movie than the first one, and much better on the rewatch. I still didn't like it. So Todd. Yes. Uh, as we always do. We do. We have some questions. Absolutely. Uh, hey, uh, who was your favorite character? Uh, it, it is Eddie slash Venom. I, I do enjoy what they are doing. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. Yeah, it's it's Eddie Slash Venom. Yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Now this is actually a hard one for me because there's a few, but for you, what is the best scene? Oh, the Venom cooking show. That's pretty good. Yeah, because <laughs> he just makes a giant mess and gives Eddie the most disgusting looking breakfast. <laughs> he does. He does. <laughs> um, I love the bit with Mrs. Chen and Anne. Yeah, that's funny too. Um, I, yeah. I love the the fight, uh, Eddie versus Venom. I mean, there's there's some stuff to really enjoy here. Mm-hmm. Hey, Todd, uh, yes. what is one scene you would cut? Um, so this is not a long movie. It's one thirty seven ish with the credits. Um, mm-hmm. I I don't think it drags. I mean, uh, uh, the the. The story is weaker than it de- than this movie deserved, but I don't think you're going to make it any better by cutting stuff. So I, I don't have anything for this one. What about you? Yeah, much like what you said with Buffy, whatever you cut doesn't isn't going to enhance or yeah. deter from this plot. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. You can't fix this by cutting. Yeah. Yep. yep and we yep. we have seen movies where you could fix it by cutting some stuff, but this mm-hmm. one ain't it. Yeah. And then finally, Casey, who is the actor having the most fun? Uh, it's it's Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. Yeah, yeah it's one hundred percent Tom Hardy. I, I think the Venom voice is more fun here because I think he's having more fun with the role. I think his his work 
helping shape the story and helping shape the character. Um, I think we're hearing that in in what he's doing. And I think uh, Tom is an actor who takes a note. Like everyone was like, "Oh, the first Venom was so serious in parts." Da, da, da. Sure. He's like, "Fine, I'm going to make Venom a fucking moron." <laughs> <laughs> Which works for me. I mean, a again, lovable idiot of an alien <laughs> who hates brains. Yeah, that, that, you get that. You get Did that. someone say brains? <laughs> uh, now, as we said earlier at the beginning of the episode, the IMDb score for this movie is a five point nine out of ten. Casey, how say you? Uh, it's a four. There's like forty percent of a good movie going on here for me. Um, I think. I think it's better than that. I think it's better than the rating. I think this is a, I can be honest with you. I'm, I'm hopeful that we'll get more of this world. And I'm hoping it connects in a way that makes that, that means something, but mm. as is 6.5, you know, okay. Better movie. And, and your mileage will vary on yeah. this movie. If you, if you like this, uh, okay, good. I'm glad you enjoyed this. It's not like some movies that we've done where people yeah. are like, Oh, I really like that. And I'm just like, but why? How? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, How? What? <laughs> now, now, you mentioned it earlier. There is one fuck in this movie, right? Um, I think this, you know, I. so today on the uh, when I was taking the bean in, yeah. she was asking if we could watch it. And I was yeah. like, ah, but then I'm like, well, Stranger Things kind of opened you up to uh, yeah. some of that stuff in Stranger Things season four was intense. pretty fucking intense. Yeah, exactly. So if they can do Stranger Things season four, they're fine with this movie. Yeah, I think, exactly. I think, Str- <laughs> I think Stranger Things season four should be our new, like, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Base. Be- like, bench- like Or benchmark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's can pretty your good. kid watch Stranger Things season four? This movie's okay for okay you. Okay for them. Yeah, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good thing. Because um, Venom <clears throat> is... You know, certainly talking about eating people, he eats. You know, he he chom- uh, first Carnage chomps the priest, and then Venom- but you don't really see no, the priest. Ha- you get a POV of it, which could be scary to a kid. Sure, sure. Yeah, sure. this is PG. Th- this is the light PG thirteen violence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so this is definitely where that age of the kid comes in. You know, a, an elementary school kid that loves superheroes and oh, this is a Spider Man character and loves Spidey. Nope. That's that's not the one. Spoiler alert, there's no Spidey in this movie. Sorry. Well. You better fucking cut that. <laughs> you motherfucker. Stop Why? ruining it's, things. It's, it's this movie. It's in this movie. We're t- I'm not talking about anything else. It's in this movie. It's the post-credit, the mid-credit scene. He's here. This stays in. Hey, you guys just heard that because it's oh, in this who, movie. But you have to give it to me to put through logic. But it's logic, in this so movie. It's in this so movie. Interesting. We didn't reference. We didn't reference events in other movies. In this movie, there's a Spider-Man. Hey, Todd. Hey, Casey. Guess what time it is? It's time for you to pull an awesome fucking movie. And now it's time to pick the next movie from Thor's helmet. Oh, God, please. We've done two stinkers in a row. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Don't fuck this up. (sighs) Okay. Um, Okay. All right. This is a good. I'm a little more excited than you. Uh, You don't like how different this is than the source material. Oh, what do we want? Uh, uh, it's it's a is an X uh, Men. It is. It's oh. a uh, it's a the opposite of a Knights of Past Future. Days of Future Past. Oh <laughs> God! This is but oh. now we're gonna watch 
The Rogue Cut. Okay. I guess. Which is, just has more rogue. And honestly, anytime you can put more rogue in your movie, I'm I'm just fine. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, let's go watch a trailer. Yeah. What's the last thing you remember? Here's, yeah, I'm going to say this now because I'm going to need to say it about a thousand times, so it might as well be now. And I'm sure I've said it in other episodes not related to this movie. Days of Future Past, 100%, one of the greatest X-Men runs ever. And it's only a two-issue run. It's only two issues. I know. It's pretty fucking crazy. The amazing Chris Claremont, the amazing uh, Chris Claremont writing, the amazing John Byrne uh, is the artist. And it is, it's two of the best X-Men comics ever and we're not going to get nearly as good as the source material in this movie and that's that's why for me i'm so disappointed when they announced that i was all in i was all in but skeptical that they were going to do it right and sure enough they didn't do it right so i love that you say this but yet you didn't have a problem with all the changes in captain america's civil war or age of ultron or any of the other movies that we've done in the mcu that had major changes to the titles that they come from i love that you cherry pick your pedantic ways um (laughs) yeah so so here here's the so (laughs) go for it let's hear it yeah so I'm okay with adaptations. I think the problem is, so I accept the MCU as an adaptation of the comics, heavily influenced by the Ultimates, but ultimately the MCU is its own is its own set of stories. Right? So, yeah. You know what I mean? Here, and, here's where I get frustrated with the way the X-Men universe has been handled. Yep. 
changing characters on a fundamental level. Sure. Is what bugs me. I don't care that it's called Days of Future Past and it has Logan traveling back in time to save everybody. And that's pretty much the only similarities between Days of Future Past mm-hmm. and um, Days of Future Past. <laughs> um, but I like this movie. Uh, this is a, probably the last one where the entire teams, and maybe it's because they got the old crew back for this one, mm-hmm. that it feels like everyone's actually trying. By the time we get to the next one, X-Men Apocalypse, oh boy, nobody gives a shit. And it is so clear. (laughs) You know, the other thing I think that allows me to feel better about the MCU, you know, adaptations certainly inspired by source material, but the reality is the new product we get with the MCU is really, really good. The stories they've told there are really, really good. Even the Age of Ultron. I mean, as it's placed in the unit. So one, I like the movie more than you, but (laughs) it's place in the universe makes sense and certainly sets up the conflict of civil war and sets up ultimately even, you know, the fractured Avengers we have at the beginning of infinity war. So um, maybe that's my problem is that specifically the X-Men movies have only in moments and it's like few and far between, have they ever reached the brilliance that is Chris Claremont's stories? You know, so if they were, telling new stories in the movies and they were inspired by the comics and the new stories were just as good, I'd be okay with it. Maybe that's the issue. Overall, the MCU stories, obviously I'm all in on them. Um, I don't think the X-Men stories have been as strong. Oh, do you really like the MCU? That's Yeah, I do. Yeah. Well, maybe on the rewatch of this one, you'll also enjoy it. Uh, Well, there's only one way to find out and that will be to listen in two weeks and see what I think. Yeah. Uh, Hey, so here's a weird little thing. I was just looking up the order of all these movies. So the last X-Men movie we did, the Wolverine, which we did last season comes out July 26, 2013 has an end credit scene that sets up this movie. Yep. Sort of basically. Yeah. It brings back Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. The end. Like once we get to the next movie, I'm like, Oh, so none of that mattered. Got it. He's got, he's got uh, razor claws. He's got metal claws again. Got it. Okay. Who gives a fuck? Yep. Uh, (laughs) Pretty much because I think, uh, what's his face took back over, uh, Brian Singer, human garbage pile that he is. Mm -hmm. And, uh, was like, no, I want my Wolverine to have claws again. Um, so (laughs) X-Men days of future past comes out May 23rd. 2014. That is the, I think that's the closest in yeah. between two movies because pretty much everything else is about three years at the end of the Wolverine. I think we actually talked about that in the episode, how quickly the next one it comes followed out on the heels. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cause then, uh, X-Men apocalypse wouldn't be for another two years, which would be unfortunately the next one. Oh wait, no. Yeah. That'll be the next one we watch. Then we get then, then Todd, then we are too. Deadpool. Oh, hello. Oh, oh, cannot wait for that one. Um, now, one last thing here, a little bit of bookkeeping. Do you want to well. make a guess at the IMDb score for X-Men Days of Future Past? Now, this will be the theatrical cut, not the rogue cut, but do you want to make a guess? <sighs> Seven something. 7.9 out of 10. So tune okay. in. tune in in two weeks and you can hear how we rate that movie. Yeah, I mean, 
Okay. I'm, I'll be interested to see how, how you feel on the rewatch. Okay. That's fair. So, Todd. Casey. That was Venom. Let there be carnage. <laughs> um, if someone would like to discuss with you uh, Venom, let there be carnage, which please don't discuss Venom, let there be carnage with me at all. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Should they wish to find you? And should you wish to be found? Sure. Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, the handle at TMP in SYR. Uh, a website that I occasionally blog on TMP and SYR.com. Casey, where can people find you? Well, again, don't come at me with anything about uh, this movie. Uh, <laughs> if you want to talk to me about Days of Future Past, I'm all for it. Uh, on Twitter, I am not Ryan Casey. Instagram, I am not dot Ryan Casey. All right. Music for the podcast comes to us from two places. Our theme song is Take a Chance by Kevin McLeod. His music is at incompetech.com. Our beer music is Feather Duster by Shane Ivers. You can find his music at silvermansound.com. So that'll do it for the Superpod Hero Cast for this week. For Todd Panic, I'm Casey Ryan. For Casey Ryan, I'm Todd Panic. And I've been your moderator, Danny Ryan. Be heroic. <laughs> My new favorite voice of yours. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you said Lethal Protector was a shit name. <laughs> that's a pretty good line. You say potato, I say potato, potato, potato.